Black Doctors Podcast. This week on the Black Doctors Podcast, we hear from Dr. Hafia Altahir, first of two parts in this series. We're going to hear about her story of becoming a physician. She is an otolaryngologist, head and neck surgeon or ENT physician practicing in Atlanta. We first met at an SMA conference and over the last couple of years have been able to see her progress from medical school to and through residency and now uh, to her current practice as an attending physician. Super inspiring story. We're going to hear the first half of what got her into medicine and what brought her to the field of ENT surgery. And then next week, we're going to talk about diversity. We're going to talk about representation. We're going to answer some tough questions that I've received about picking a residency program. It's February, Black History Month, but it's also a time where shortly medical students are going to be submitting ranked lists. And one of the important things that we discuss is how do you choose what program you, you rank and in what order. Diversity in these programs is a huge issue and you want to know where you're going so and that you'll be supported in these different programs. So we talk about how she chose her program, the field of otolaryngology is not very diverse. And we talk about in next week's episode how she navigated this and how she ultimately chose her program, how she felt in her program, supported, etc. So definitely tune in to next week's episode as well. I'm also pleased to announce that we are contributing on behalf of Black Daughters Podcast, on behalf of our listeners. We are donating $600 to the Student National Medical Association. Towards the end of last year, we had a little bit of a promotion where um, if you submitted a review or a rating, we contributed, I think, $5 to each of those that we received. We received about 20 of those. But over the last like week or two, we've actually received even more. So we really appreciate the support that you, our listeners, are providing. And in turn, we're going to pay that forward to the Student National Medical Association. They have a promotion running, I think it's 600 for the 60th or 600,000 for the 60th. They're trying to raise a lot of money. And that's where the number 600 came from. Uh, not, not if you do the math, not because of how many reviews we got, but that's a nice round number. It's got a six in it. So we're going to donate $600 to the Student National Medical Association. Actually going to run the credit card as I record or after I record this episode. And um, thanks, I do procrastinate. But thank you all for your support. And we are going to continue to, to pay this forward because we believe in this organization and the work that they're doing. It is Black History Month. And I want to highlight a book. It's entitled Legacy. It's by Dr. Uche Blackstock. Now, I was familiar with the name. I know Dr. Uche and Dr. Oni Blackstock. They're both uh, physicians. They're twin sisters, and they're out of New York. And I knew Dr. Uche Blackstock published a book recently, Dr. Tyler Brown. Um, he kind of uh, had it in his stories where he was going around to different bookstores looking for the book. And... I don't really read books, so I got it on Audible. I listened to it. I'm about halfway through, actually. I haven't finished a book yet. But I have to highlight this book. If there's anything um, that, that, that you can do to support this, if you want to feel inspired, if you want to learn how to make a difference and what it looks like to make a difference, I highly encourage picking this book up on Audible or buying a copy. So... If you don't know, Dr. Uche Blackstock, she's an emergency medicine physician. She is from New York City. She 
attended Harvard University for college as well as medical school, along with her twin sister. So just an incredibly remarkable family. At the beginning of the book, she highlights the role that her mother played as a nephrologist practicing in New York City, um, who had also attended Harvard. And she talks about the legacy that her mother started and how growing up, she was able to see the care that she provided for patients, the relationships that her mother built with patients, as well as with other physicians in the hospital, uh, um, Kings County, I believe, in, in, in New York. I think it's in Brooklyn. My good friend, Kiana, did her OB residency there. So I was able to, I've actually visited that hospital and, and seen the area. So it really kind of hit home some of the things that she was describing in this book. But she talks about growing up in Brooklyn, being from Crown Heights, her twin sister, Oni, and, and the incredible things that they accomplished attending Harvard for college as well as for medical school. Their mother, who became sick with leukemia and passed away, and just continuing her legacy. Throughout this book, she adds in different facts and aspects of healthcare disparities. And she really weaves those into the story that she tells in a, in a way that that is just, it's incredible. It, it kind of really pulls you in and makes you realize and experience and, and feel what it's like to experience some of these health disparities. As a, as a Black male, I don't directly experience what it's like for uh, maternal health care disparities. I've observed this in the uh, maternity wards as I'm doing anesthesia, but the way she describes it is... is phenomenal. And it really is a rallying cry to, for us to do better. So I haven't finished the book yet. I'm halfway through and looking forward to finishing that um, over the week as I commute back and forth from work. So definitely go and check this out either on Audible or buy it on Amazon or support your local bookstore. Um, 10 out of 10 recommendations so far for Dr. Uche Blackstock's book entitled Legacy. And now we'll jump into today's episode of the podcast featuring Dr. Hafia El-Tahir, otolaryngologist and ear, nose, and throat surgeon. I guess it's not and, it's kind of the same thing, but here we go. Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. Today, excited to have Dr. Hafia El-Tahir with us. She is an otolaryngologist, aka ENT or head and neck surgeon practicing in Atlanta. Hafia, welcome to the Black Doctors Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Stephen. It's been a long time. So I've been watching you and seeing what you've been doing lately <laughs> with your podcast. And it's um, very inspiring. I'm very proud of you. Proud to know someone that's Black and successful, doing wonderful things. So uh, I appreciate you having me on this and That's the definition of the pot calling the kettle Black because I've done the same. We met at SNMA in Atlanta. We were just, we were just reflecting and you were in medical school leaning towards ENT. Yes. As we all have been nervous about applications and matching. And I just remember like when you posted your match and you're going to be an ENT surgeon and then time flew because you finished what, eight, nine, 10, 12 years of surgery residency. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's what it felt like anyway. (laughs) I wanted to dig into your story. You got into medicine. You are a first generation Sudanese American. And we're going to talk about your pathway and then talk about this incredible field of Otolaryngology. Starting back to why I decided to to go into medicine, your typical story where kids grow up saying they want to be a doctor. Unfortunately, my mom had a lot of health issues as I was growing up, so I saw you know her go to the doctor's office a lot, and that was very intriguing to me to see how doctors helped her. 
Um, and also my father is a scientist. So I grew up going to the lab and spending time there. So I feel like I was very like immersed in the area. We got to start. So just, what kind of scientist was your dad? Because he was, he was from Sudan and then he yes. came to the States, Alabama, ironically yes. enough. <laughs> so what type of science did he practice? Uh, biochemistry. So he's a wow. biochemist. He um, taught at the university for a while and then he transitioned over into um, forensic science. And then he did wow. that for years too and, and enjoyed doing that. So yeah, I knew I didn't want to be a biochemist. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> Sorry, love did. biochem that much. Um, but I really enjoyed and have always enjoyed helping people. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to find a way where I could do that. And also in a way where I could, you know, be in direct contact with patients as much as I could. So that's the reason why I chose to go this route. I took the very non-traditional route. So I went to undergrad, graduated from the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. And then <laughs> after graduating, you know, life was happening. So things came up. So I actually worked for a while as a banker for Regions Bank and was in like a management role for a while. And I just hated it. And I, because I knew I always wanted to be a doctor, I spent that time like really trying to work on my MCAT score. And and what I wanted to do was try to remain as immersed in the medical field as I possibly could so that I didn't forget while I was working and also handling some life things at that time. So I dedicated my evenings after work. I would go downtown and I volunteered at a free health clinic called Empower Ministries. And so, you know... Care was um, completely free for all the patients that presented. And I was very passionate about that. But it also opened the door for me to network with a lot of doctors there too and pick their brains. And there were other, a few other students that were at the University of Alabama at the time that were doing some volunteer work there. And uh, it was motivational because they, a few of them were also looking to go into the medical field as well. So it was just a great networking opportunity. So I actually was, someone referred me to spend time with this one neuro-ophthalmologist that was at the university. And he apparently was just very open to having students come and shadow him. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out, send him an email. He was very open and welcoming, invited me to come spend some time. And I did so. And I was like, okay, this really confirms it. But you know, he was a DO, very successful, but I didn't know what a DO was at the time. I was like, what is that? You know, and he explained and was like, you know, but do your own research, you know, look into it. It's your, however, you know, whichever route you want to go, allopathic or osteopathic, you know, it's up to you. So at that time, I really thought I might want to do primary care. So I applied to DO programs, got accepted, but it wasn't until after my first year of medical school, I shadowed an ENT who was actually one of my clients when I worked at the bank who had hmm. told me after I got accepted, hey, if you ever need anything, don't ever hesitate to call. And the beautiful part of it all is that he's black. No way. And he owned his own practice. And so... And was, you knew he was making money too. Yeah. <laughs> I knew he was making money. I saw that. And he was always just such a nice guy, you know, just a very nice guy. So who so, was, was his name? His name was Dr. Gardner. Okay. Shout out Dr. Gardner in Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Birmingham, Alabama. Very nice guy. So I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. I took care of you at the bank and you gave me your information. Now I'd like to spend some time with you if I can. I have this summer off and I want to do something meaningful with my time. So he he said, oh, yes, you can spend as long as you want. I, I actually ended up spending a whole month with him. Oh, wow. Just, you know, 
going to the office, going to the OR with him. And I was like, this is just amazing. I loved you know, what he did. I love the variability in the day, being in the office, going to the OR. Sometimes we go back to the office and then back to the OR. One time we had a console bleed. <laughs> so I was like, this could be exciting. But then he also talked to me about how he enjoyed his lifestyle. You know, he has a family, he had two daughters. He was able to make it home at night for dinner with them. He was able yeah. to make it to certain extracurricular activities. And so I was like, I really think this is for me. And he was a nice surgeon, you know, they talk about <laughs> surgeons are mean. Wow. And he was such a nice surgeon. So I was like, I think this is it. So I decided uh, I want to be an ENT. And I didn't know how to go about doing that. I even reached out to you when you were in Chicago. I was like, hey, I really want to go and get into ENT. Do you know of someone in, you know? Yeah, can I help you with that? <laughs> you talked to someone. I don't okay. recall the name of the person you spoke to, but... Probably Dr. Blair. She's my men- mentor in Chicago. I was like, I think okay. you did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you were like, these are the things that, you know, he or she recommends. And, you know, this is how you want to perform on your step exams. So being a DO, I had to apply or I had to sit for not only the USMLE, but also our exam, the Comlex. So lots of studying, lots of stress because my school honestly didn't have... They had lots of resources when it came to primary care. Mm -hmm. But when it came to some of your more specialized areas, especially ENT, like they didn't have that for me. So I had to go looking for it. The mentorship, who could I shadow how to go about really sprucing up my application, things of that nature. And so it was a tough journey, especially being a Black female. (laughs) Yeah. And then Dr. Gardner, even though he was great to work with and he opened the, you know, my mind and enlightened me when it came to ENT, he was so far removed, you know, he's like an old head. So it wasn't like, he's like, oh, it's so different now. And so he didn't have a lot of advice that he could provide. Um, But I spent several months doing you know, audition rotations or sub-eyes, basically. How many did you do? Oh, I think I did. I did seven or eight. Oh, my God. Yeah. So so it was like my school and some of the programs would let us split it up or we could do two weeks instead of a whole like month. So that's why I was able to get so many of them in. But I was traveling. Yeah. (laughs) It was exhausting. Hustling. I was hustling. Living out of... Yeah. How were you living? Oh, my gosh. Out of my car. Like, I was literally (laughs) like... You know, different programs had like housing available. Oh, this resident is renting out their basement. So I stayed in residence homes. And, you know, there were times it was not the com- most comfortable situation ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I survived. I, and it I, look, was, I look back at some of those things. I'm like, how did I pay for some of that stuff? I don't even know. The student loans <laughs> that I'm having to pay back now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And so now that I'm in a position where I feel that I'm able to help people if they need it, you know, I really want to take the opportunity to do that if I can, because I know how tough it was to do it on my own, especially, like I said, as a minority um, in a field that doesn't really have many of us. Yeah, there are not a lot of us in ENT. And I know since you finished your training, you're a little more active on social media. So you got to shout out your socials and where people can follow you and see what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm really only on Instagram. So my professional page is Dr. E underscore ENT. So Dr. E underscore ENT. Gotcha. For Elta here. And we'll put that link in the show notes. So so awesome. Definitely follow Dr. Elta here and see what she's up to. So it's been a couple months. 
since you finished first, you, we were talking about away rotations. And then there is the match process, which is still probably painful memories of going through and waiting. And I think people are starting to, you know, this will air in February and people are going through that right now. But once you matched, then, you know, you started again uphill because you had what, seven years of residency? No, five years. Five, five. five. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't let me add. You're putting us there with the neurosurgeons. <laughs> they do seven. <laughs> so, but five years of surgery. Up. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that like? Because you matched in uh, New Jersey, Rutgers. So you moved yeah. away from family. Yeah. It was actually a very wonderful experience for me. And it was also challenging at the same time. So it was my first time being that far away from family. But, you know, I felt like I developed one there. The building that I lived in, I met friends. I became very close with um, my co-residents, especially the ones in my class. They're super supportive. Anytime I needed anything, they were there. Uh, so, you know, that definitely helped. But what was very challenging was COVID because COVID hit during my mm. second year, the second half of my second year residency. And then so when everything shut down, you can't travel. I didn't have anyone there, you know, with me. And then, you know, my family's so far away. So, you know, I'm constantly every day worried and paranoid. Is this going to be the day that I find out that it's my dad or, mm. you know, my mom or my sister or someone and who I truly love and care about, are they going to, you know, get sick? And then I'm stuck here. You know, I may not even be able to go and see them. Uh, and then I was working in the um, COVID <laughs> ward. They, yeah. you know, but it's there. So just like I was thinking about them, I was also worried about myself. And so it was definitely a tough time being away during those. those. Yeah, because y'all were doing the COVID tricks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a whole hazmat suit, everything. Yeah, you're in there burning up. You know, you want to rip it off, you can't. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we were definitely doing the COVID trick. So good experience. I don't ever want to do it again. Yeah. You know, go through that again, but it was good. I did my, as an anesthesia intern, I did a month of ENT. That's how I met Dr. Blair, who, you know, I'm closer with than some of my anesthesia attendings. But okay. you know, I, had, I remember my, my one trach story. I did a couple of trachs. And I was scrubbed in. I was just an intern. And Ryan Salvador, he was the chief resident. And, you know, I read up about, I was pretending to be a surgeon. And I read about, you know, the vertical incision or horizontal. And he's like, all right, you're going to do this trach as primary surgeon. I'm like, cool. And he's okay, doctor, here's your bovie. And he hands me like the bovie, which is the little electrocautery tool. And it was at that moment I realized, because, I, you know, I've seen bovies throughout medical. It's got two buttons on it, blue and yellow. <laughs> and when he handed it to me and he was like, oh, hit cut, I, I had to stop. I was like, so, so Ryan, which one of these buttons does what? <laughs> hey, at least you stopped to ask, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, yep, surgery is not, not for it me. for you. <laughs> oh, gosh. But how was, so for the five years of residency, do you, you on different rotations and, and there's general surgery stuff? Like, like what was your uh, residency like? So during my first year, I was on uh, different rotations. We actually did six months of ENT and then six months of like off rotation. So ICU, I did plastic surgery rotation, neurosurgery, general surgery, had to do two months of general surgery. So we did those off rotations and then the other months and it was all mixed in. It wasn't like six months straight of ENT and then six months. So, you know, it 
every month was basically different. And then after my first year, it was just ENT. And every program, of course, is set up differently. But the way that we do it is... Uh, we covered five different hospitals. So oh, wow. we were, yeah, we were at different hospitals. It wasn't, unless we were doing otology, like neurotology was its own like block or like month or two rotation at a time, but then the other ones were random. So it all depend on how your chief resident assigned you. So one day you could be doing, you know, rhinology skull base. And then the next day you're doing head and neck and taking out thyroids or in the same day you're doing both. So it just, it was very, it was variable. Yeah. Those yeah. last four years. And then uh, you get some PED stuff. I know the PD and T is always a, a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. So we did PEDS and that was also, that was definitely fun because uh, the main ENT surgeon we worked with, Dr. Levitt, he's just, you know, he's good to work with. He always keeps the light and, but it was like, we were like running a machine. He'd run two rooms and I think the most, cases I had in one day, I did 21. Ooh. Yeah. Done by three o'clock. Ooh. Anesthesia was moving. Oh yeah. They were moving. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So uh, those are fun times. Yeah. And now it's over. So you recently finished the job hunt. So how was that experience for you? You're finishing up residency, you're interviewing for your, your big girl jobs. What was your experience? It was, it was actually pretty good. I knew that I wanted to be back closer to family. So, you know, having that idea already in mind made it easy to figure out exactly, you know, okay, I know I'm going to only look in this area or in this okay. state. So I decided to come back south. So here in Atlanta, Georgia, I looked online and there was... I actually ended up going through a recruiter, which I didn't realize I was going through a recruiter at first. I thought I was contacting <laughs> the office that I work for now directly. Yeah. But anyway, I interviewed at like only three places because oh, I was, it was during my chief year. So I was like really busy. And so it was difficult to make those trips back and forth. So I interviewed at three places. It was just the experience that, or the, not the experience, but yeah, the, yes, the interview experience, I guess I should say. And <laughs> the feel that I got for the, the practice that I'm now working for, they offered everything that I wanted. They were really easy and laid back when it came to even just negotiating the contract, I didn't feel pressure. You know, there was one location where I just felt, you know, it was like I had to, they wanted me to sign like right away. And yeah. it's just, is a lot. So I was like, this is my first time. Like I need to take time. I need to get an attorney to look over the contract and all of that. And the group I work for now is like, oh yeah, go get your attorney. Take as much time as you need. And when I was negotiating things that I wanted, they were very receptive. And then I just spent a little time at the office and people seemed to get along really well. And it just, it felt right, I guess you could say. Yeah. So when did you interview? Because you're in, in your chief year, you know, you're finishing up in June or July. So when were you starting going on interviews? I actually interviewed September of 2022. Hmm. So I interviewed and signed my contract a year before I started work. Oh, Lord. Started. It was during my chief year. Yeah. Call. Nice. So plenty of time to negotiate and, and get settled. Yes. How's it been? It's been great. Life outside of residency is great. I enjoy... I feel like a human being now, you know, <laughs> getting more sleep and spending more time with family. I feel, of course, during residency, you miss out on a lot just because you're so busy and you're dedicating your time. And now I can make it to different functions and things. So that's really great. 
And I enjoy what I do. I'm enjoying seeing patients. It was a huge, like a steep learning curve just because my residency was mostly, we were just all in the OR. Like the last four years or, you know, like almost three, four years, primarily in the operating room all day long. Hmm. So the only time I did office was when I was at the VA. And so now I'm mostly in the office seeing patients. Wow. Yeah. So very different. And then I have our days and, you know, times like sprinkled in every week. So like I operated yesterday, I have a surgery tomorrow, but I was in the office all day today. And are you at the same hospital operating or do you do different uh, surgery centers? Different. So our practice owns a surgery center that's located in the the building of our main office where our main office is located. So we just go straight downstairs and our surgery center is there. Oh, nice. So we have the option to, to schedule patients there. I also operate at a nearby hospital, Northside, and then... There's a children's hospital, uh, Children's Hospital of Atlanta that I can take patients to. And then we have another surgery center. It's a Northside um, affiliate and they have a surgery center that I can operate out of too. Yeah. I, I, it's always uh, interesting because residency prepares you for whatever practice you have at that at your residency program. Then you get into real life and you're like, okay, this hospital, my current hospital, we only do oncology patients. So I don't have the sick cardiac, I don't do trauma or your yeah, situation yeah. where you're in the office a lot. So it's always fascinating. Yeah. And so it's it's very different. I'm enjoying it. But when you're just so focused on operating every single day and you round on your patients, you operate, you're seeing consults, but now it's the things that you don't really think about having to really work up when you're in residency. Like a lot of patients come in with ear complaints. They have ringing in their mm. ears. You know, patients aren't coming to the emergency room or you're not getting, getting consulted anyway as a resident for ringing in the ears. It's definitely like yeah. an outpatient, like office sort of thing. So seeing a lot of that, a lot of sinus stuff, which is great because I love doing sinus surgery. So I don't mind seeing those patients, mm. but it's different, but in a good way. Life has been much better. That's awesome. If people wanted to see you with their ringing in their ears and sinus problems and they're in the Atlanta area or just want to come to Atlanta and get their work done, how can they get a hold of you? So we are my office. I'm a part of a practice called North Atlanta ENT and Allergy. We have three different locations. One's in Alpharetta. So this is all Metro Atlanta, Alpharetta. There's coming location in Dawsonville. And I'm primarily in the coming and Dawsonville location. So if you look up my name, Afia Elta here, you can find me there. And you can either call to schedule an appointment or there's an option to schedule an appointment online too. Yeah, tell them you heard about her on the Blight Arts Podcast. There's no discount, but <laughs> it'll make us all feel good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Fia, we have to dig into a, a couple of things. One that one question I get often, I have a couple of mentees, and as we're recording this, it's the end of January. They're starting to pencil in their rank list. And what always comes up is I want to go into this specialty I'm worried about certain programs because I look online, there is no diversity. There's no black people in the program. I don't know if I want to be the first, the only, I don't know if that's me. And I know what I've counseled people, but I'm curious as to your thoughts, because you are African-American woman going into a very homogenous field, shall we say, with ENT, surgical field. So white male dominated. How did that affect you as you were looking at ENT programs? That's a really good question. I think for me, you know, if I will say that 
we I did have one one person of color, a black person in our department, and that was our vice chairman. So, but he was the only. So there wasn't a black female in our department. It was just me. And as far as residents... Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week to listen to how you can kind of choose a residency program or if you're looking at a job, how does diversity uh, affect the decision you make and what role does it play in your success at that institution, at that program, at that school. Thanks for tuning in. We're here because representation matters.